Welcome to Inside the CIF with Sonny Clark, your internet radio home for all things champions indoor football. Join Sonny Clark, the hardest working man in sports radio, as well as the director of operations of the CIF, as he brings you the news and notes, as well as player interviews, coaches, and owners of the CIF. So let's do this. Here's Sonny Clark. And welcome into Inside the CIF with me, Sonny Clark, the hardest working man in sports radio as we get back here in Champions Indoor Football. It is that time. It is playoff time as the league yet again goes down to the last week of the season determining seeding and teams making it or a team not making it or whatever the case may be. It has been one of those great years. And we, we talked about it. I talked about it with a lot of coaches. I talked about it with a lot of owners as well as, uh, you know, other people. You know, looking at this league and where the league stands today, obviously the biggest indoor football league in the country. And what do we do? We just outdo ourselves each and every year. This is no exceptions, whether it be the situation where the league takes action against the football team, takes a couple of games away from them, or whatever the case may be. We still got an exciting lineup here in the first round of the playoffs. And it all started last week as the week 15 took place in Champions Indoor Football. Let's take a step back to that week because there were a lot of games that had a lot of impact on who you were going to see in the first round of the playoffs. And it all started on a Friday night as the Texas Revolution were at home and they brought in the Wichita Force. And this was a game. This is a football team, the Wichita Force, that somehow cannot beat that football team in Allen, and it just happened again, unfortunately, for the Wichita Force as the Texas Revolution got another victory against this football team on their home field, 56-43, to 43, which in turn cemented the Texas Revolution into the second spot in the South to be able to host a home football game in the first round of the playoffs. And we'll talk a little bit about their opponent a little bit here in a moment. But uh, the Revolution get into the playoffs. And they have a good season out there. Unfortunately for Wichita, they don't make it into the playoffs because of this loss on uh, a combination of a couple of other things that happened uh, as far in that week. And they did not make it into the playoffs here. So the defending champions, unfortunately, unable to get back to the playoffs, which in turn we're going to see a new crowning of a new champion in Champions Indoor Football. Will it be the Sioux City Bandits who went on the road to take on the Kansas City Phantom? I don't know. You took a look at that game, and the Kansas City Phantom folks have really put it together here in the last portion of this season. Makes you kind of wonder if they would have got off to a little bit of a better start, would we have seen the kind of ending in the north as well as we've seen in the south. That having been said, the Kansas City Phantom get a big victory to finish the season where they're at 4-8 and eight 
but beat the Sioux City Bandits 75-70. to The Bandits on the road are unable to come up with the victory, and the Sioux City Bandits end up 9-3 on the season. And unfortunately, with that loss, in turn, lost home field advantage throughout the playoffs. Now, they got it through the North Conference until the championship game And depending on what happens with Amarillo, as far as their standing in their football game in this playoffs, will Sioux City City end up giving the home field advantage back? Um, We'll talk a little bit about that as well. But some interesting games that had happened on Saturday, which in turn set up the playoffs where they're at right now as the Duke City Gladiators, they had their final game over there on their home turf, and they got a big victory against the Amarillo Venom at 69-36 score, and that cemented the Duke City Gladiators into the playoffs for the first time in their history. If you remember their first year, they just kind of grasped into the league, and and I've said it before, I'll say it again, this was a football team that may very well have saved the the league in itself by stepping in for the New Mexico Stars that unfortunately bowed out uh, within weeks before the season. And the Duke City Gladiators were going to be set to play the next year had to put it together, and they did. They put it together and you know, had a halfway successful first season. Last year, the same thing, playing to almost the last part of the season to see if they can make it into the playoffs, and unfortunately, were unable to do so. But this season, with the victory, 69-46 over the Amarillo Venom, we got them into the playoffs this season. And we're going to talk to the head coach of that football team as they get set to take on the um, the first round against the Sioux City Bandits. We're going to have on the head coach of that football team, Dominic Belmonte, a little bit later on in the show. So a big-time victory for the Gladiators. They are actually going to go on the road in week number one of the playoffs. Now, another football game that was all set and ready to go and had a much that I gave you the wrong score. It was the Gladiators 43, the Dodge City Law 22. So I was mistaken about the game. I was looking at the wrong score, but it was the Duke City Gladiators getting a big time victory over the Dodge City Law 43 to 22. And in fact, a catch made it on the ESPN top 10 plays of the day. Um, If they catch out of bounds, then right there uh, makes you kind of wonder, you know, as far as indoor football, how close you are involved with it. A guy going over the sideboards, running into uh, the um, VIP areas along the side there. It was kind of interesting. And, yes, made the ESPN top ten. That was kind of cool. So, yes, it was the Duke City Gladiators taking on the, the Dodge City Law. And the Duke City Gladiators got the victory, 43-22. to the, the game I was talking about, as far as the Venom were concerned, that put them in the position to where if they got the victory over 
the Dodge City Law, they would have made the playoffs regardless if it was the uh, Dodge City Law losing the two games uh, due to having a uh, punishment uh, given to them by the league. Even if that didn't happen, the Duke City Gladiators, if they got that victory, would have made the playoffs. So an exciting time for that franchise down there. So uh, the Gladiators make it into the first round of the playoffs, and we'll talk about where they're going to be playing here in just a moment. Then a game that really didn't have a lot on it except maybe to keep the Dallas Marshals, uh, you know, playoff uh, hopes alive, but the Omaha Beef were in town, and the Dallas Marshals got the victory 62-55 to over the Omaha Beef, so an exciting game as well, by the way. Um, I, I was at that game as well as the Texas Revolution game, and it was an exciting game down to the end. Uh, the Omaha Beef did drop to 7-5, and five, but still held on to that second seed in the North to still go ahead and host the home playoff game as they had the tiebreaker over the Bloomington Edge, who are also 7-5. and five. And speaking of the Bloomington Edge, they improved the 7-5 and five with a victory over the Bismarck Bucks, 79-7. to seven. 78, which in turn made the Bismarck Bucks five and seven on the season. Bloomington improved to seven and five to hold on to that number three uh, spot in the playoff race. So an exciting game for them. Now the Amarillo Venom. They were at home taking on a winless Syntex Calvary football team, and unfortunately for Syntex, they did not get the victory. The Amarillo Venom did get the victory 55-27, to and that also helped them wrap up home field advantage throughout the playoffs. So if the Amarillo Venom can win their first and second round, the championship game is going to be played right there in Amarillo. So they earned that home field advantage throughout the playoffs, and that victory right there helped them make that happen. So six games were on the line last week. And going back to that Bismarck Buck game over the Bloomington Edge, on the show today, we're going to have the head coach of the Bismarck Bucks, Richard Davis, on the show as well um, here a little bit later on. So that's something that we, you can look forward to. So uh, Coach Belmonte, Coach Richard Davis going to make his way uh, in. And we're going to have one more guest. And I'm not, gonna, I'm not even going to clue you in. You're going to have to sit and listen to this whole show before we bring on the last guest. And I'm not going to tell you who it is until that time. That having been said, as we move into the playoffs, an exciting time of the season, it's just the big-time moments that Champions Indoor Football has been providing to its fans for the last three years. An exciting last part of the season coming down to the final part of the year, and in this year's case, coming down to the final week to get the seedings for the games that are going to happen on Saturday on a game night that I've called Saturday Night Sights. Four games, four playoff games happen on Saturday night in Champions Indoor Football, and it starts in Allen, Texas, as the Texas Revolution will be hosting the team of the Dodge City Law. This is the team that was penalized the two games, which in turn dropped their record down to a 7-5 and five record. We had three teams with a 7-5, Mark had four teams with a 7-5 and five record, 
and only two of those teams with that 7-5 record made it into the playoffs, and Dodge City was one, even though they did lose that game against the Duke City Gladiators. It did get the Duke City Gladiators in the uh, playoffs with that 7-5 record, but the Dodge City Law, who faced the Texas Revolution two times this season, one with a victory up in Dodge City, and then when they came down and took on the Texas Revolution at the Allen Event Center, the Texas Revolution got that victory. So they are one and one against each other on the season, and this one here gets you into the conference championship of the South with the victory. Now, the other game that is in the South, it's the Amarillo Venom hosting those Duke City Gladiators and a game where these are another football teams that know each other very well. And so this will be an interesting, a good rivalry between these two teams are setting up um, as they play each other quite a bit in the regular season. And now here we are uh, with the fourth game that these guys have gone head-to-head. That happens on Saturday night in the South. So the Venom trying to hold on to that home field advantage throughout the playoffs with a victory against the Duke City Gladiators on Saturday night. And in the North, as the Bloomington Edge, they got that victory over the Bismarck Bucks. They put themselves in a position where they hit the road in the playoffs. Now, this is a football team that was in this league and made the playoffs last year. Um, They repeat, get back to the playoffs, and take on a football team that has not been playoff um, in years and years and years. And I keep saying that, and I always say that this league is always better when the Omaha beef were in the playoffs. Well, they're not only in the playoffs, but hosting that home game against the Bloomington Edge Saturday night at the Slaughterhouse. So that one's going to be real interesting. And then the head coach uh, that you'll hear from in this show, Richard Davis from the Bismarck Bucks, is going to go on the road to take on the Sioux City Bandits uh, for a fifth time. So these guys have knocked heads quite a bit all season long. Now they're just going to continue it in week number one of the playoffs. Will the Bucks get that second victory against this football team in advance? Or will Sioux City hold on to that home field advantage in the north and host either the Bloomington Edge or the uh, Omaha Beef? That will be decided on Saturday night. It's going to be a good one as we get squared off for the 2017 Champions Indoor Football Playoffs that happen on tomorrow, in reality. I'm doing the recording and playing it on Saturday, but by the time I post this, it's going to be time to get into CIF football. It's going to be exciting. So hang around for that one. It's going to be good. And what we're going to do now is we're going to take a quick break here. And we talked about the North. We talked about Richard Day. We talked about the Bismarck Bucks. Let's bring them into Inside the CIF with Sonny Clark. Here's Richard Davis. 
And welcome back into Inside the CIF. It's me, Sonny Clark, as we are online with the guy that has, in his first year, made his way into the playoffs here in Champions Indoor Football. Uh, probably an exciting time for him, but uh, probably not the way that he wanted to be in here. But let's bring in the head coach of the Bismarck Bucks. It's Richard Davis. Richard, how you doing? I'm good, Sonny. Thanks for having me. How are you? I'm doing wonderfully. Thanks for joining us. Let's hop into that. Let's talk a little bit about that. That's obviously when you take a look at your record. It's, you know, as a head coach, it probably doesn't make you feel good being five and seven. But by the luck of the draw and how everything worked out, you are still a football team that is in the playoffs. And once you got that opportunity in the playoffs, you got a shot at it. Uh, yeah, you know, it's all a matter of perspective, Sonny. Uh, um, you know, we can. We can only play the, the teams that are on our schedule, and we can only uh, play in the conference are, that we're given. Um, so uh, the reality is we're in. Um, and I, you know, I don't apologize for it. It is where it is. Uh, sure, I'd like a better record. Um, but, you know, when it's all said and done, we played Sioux City four times who, you know what, um, they may wind up being the best team in this league. And, and so um, there's, there's some things to be said on the other part of this deal. So we'll take it. We're – we're O and O this week, and we're going to go in there and see what we can do. Absolutely, and you can go to the play-by-play guy that you got up there, the color commentator and uh, Coach Fuller. He always says you're 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 looking to be one and O this week, and that's a great way to look at it. But when you look at your football team, I, as a guy who deals with you weekly, we know your team has been decimated with injuries. So being in the playoffs, you got to feel pretty lucky. Let's talk a little bit about some of the guys that you lost, some vital key personnel to your football team this season. Yeah, we really have. Um, you know, I know everybody goes through their injuries. Uh, but the truth is, I've been doing this a long time, and this is probably the most uh, season-ending injuries I've ever had. Um, we, we've we lost the starting quarterback um, for the season. Heck, we lost him once. We got him back, and then we lost him again for the season. Uh, we lost our, our left guard, who, to be real honest, when he was playing at an all-league level uh, caliber uh, guy, um, we lose the Lance Lewis wide receiver, who – Lance was uh, four years in the NFL. He was probably playing at the all-league level as well. Um, Josh Jarboe, first game of the year, we lose him to season-ending uh, injury. Uh, that's a guy that's, that's, you know, really done some, some damage over the course of the time and, and at this level. Um, and, and, you know, Jarrell Miller this week, our inside linebacker, mm-hmm. who I know for certain was, was getting some, some votes from coaches because they told us. And, and there's a couple more. <laughs> you know, we – it, unfortunately, it doesn't stop there. We've had eight uh, season-ending uh, injuries, and um, when you add that to the to the regular injuries that guys have been out a week or two or three or four here or there, it's been an unbelievable year of, of overcoming that. But but like I said, we're still fighting, and at the end of the day, that's that's really all you can ask for: still be in it. And, and I talked to you about this, you know, off the air, but. Talk to me a little bit about your your training camp. You you're allowed to have 35. You sure in the heck didn't have 35. And you know the guys that you got brought in were quality guys that you wanted. You didn't want to just you know flood the gates here in training camp. So you brought in a limited amount of players 
to take a look at to play for your football team. And then with the injuries that happened, you still had a couple that come out. Let's talk a little bit about a wide receiver who should get votes for, you know, all uh, CIF. Uh, LB Pope at the wide receiver position has been huge for you all season long. Yes. Uh, you know, we, we did do um, to take a look, we took a little different approach to our our roster uh, in training camp. We did not want to uh, just bring in a, a ton of guys. We wanted to be very careful in who we brought in this first year. Uh, being an expansion franchise, we knew there would be distractions, and and you know we wanted some guys that we felt like would center around and and uh, build around. And and for the most part, I think that worked. But LB is one of those guys. You know, LB is. Um, he is a local player from University of Mary, and I will be honest, I think a lot of people probably thought we signed him just because he's from, from Mary, and I kept telling everybody it's really not the case. I thought that he was going to be a great player, and, and um, I'll, I will say here now, uh, I definitely think uh, the the end result, that kid deserves to be all CIF. He's been a hell of a player for us. Um, he has been our Mr. Consistent. Um, so, he, you know, he's just one of those guys that, fits who we're trying to become in the future and build around uh, high-quality people. Now, in your looking out for players, this is one of the things that is, I deal with your contracts. Earlier this season, you, you were fighting to get a guy on your football team even to the last literally minutes before uh, the deadline to get him on. Let's talk about your kicker and Evan Conley. This is a guy who, you know, he had a little struggle at the beginning, but this is a guy that came on later on in the season and became a very big part of your football team. Yeah, Evan's a very unique guy. Um, he, he's actually from Ireland. He never uh, played uh, American football in his life. Uh, grew up playing soccer. Uh, came over to the States and played uh, soccer uh, here in, in uh, actually at Rocky Mountain College. And the football coaches saw him and had him come out and kick. Well, as fate would have it, he wound up uh, getting a graduate assistant coaching job at University of Mary here in town. And, and we were able to, to get him on board. And, and I'll be honest with you, he did struggle uh, early, and then he got it figured out, and he, he is a heck of a talent now, Sonny. This guy is probably as good as, as our league's had, but his stats are in no way, shape, or form going to show that because um, when we lost Jonathan Bain, who I think is easily could be said that he was one of the premier quarterbacks in our league, what people don't realize is we probably lost the best holder in our league as well. Mm-hmm. Bain was unbelievable, and when we lost him, it just has put us in a in a crazy um, spin cycle, if you will, on our holder. We're trying to get that settled for for Evan and and um, getting back into being consistent. So hopefully we'll get, we'll, we'll have a little better results this week. Yeah, you, you got a great football team up there. Your offensive line is also, you know. Uh, something that you got to be happy with. Maybe not uh, as much, but you you got Lamont Gilbert on there that has been holding down. And this is a young guy. This is a rookie for you that has definitely stepped in the role on the offensive line. Yeah, you know, uh, he, he's a guy that's a regional guy that's helped fill some gaps for us, uh, offensive line, defensive line. Um, you know, we've had, a, we've had a group that if we could have kept them together, we think we, we could have been pretty good. Um, we, the truth is, when we lost Dion Paulson, um, that was a big blow uh, because yeah. what we've had to do to compensate for that is we had to move uh, Tyrone Ezell from the defensive line over to the offensive line, and he has played great, absolutely done a great job. He, it's a testament to just how good of a football player 
he is. But, you know, Tyrone was in the um, the Houston Texans and the New Orleans Saints camp. He was a four-year starter at the University of Pittsburgh. So when you lose that kind of guy from the defensive line and you got to give him over to the offensive line, there's a there's a lot of uh, ripple effects, so to speak. And so we're we're just trying to figure it out, Sonny. We've, we've got X amount of pieces, and we're trying to put them in the best spots we can and stretch them as far as we can go. And, and talk a little bit about you, you lost a player. You're using the emergency IR um, situation. You bring in a Zach Graves. What's Zach going to bring in and help you uh, as far as coming in relief, I guess you can say, and one of your players that went down here in the final week of the regular season? Well, losing Jarrell Miller, who was with the Minnesota Vikings, is, is that's going to be a tough, tough deal for us to overcome. Um, but Jarrell was kind of our emotional leader. Uh, another guy that I know was getting votes for all CIF coaches had, had called me and told me. So, um, you know, he's a heck of a player. But uh, we grabbed Zach. He's a, he's he's local to us. He's a, a great little athlete. He's a, he's a running back, linebacker kind of kid, a hybrid. Um, he ran track in NCAA uh, finals uh, for the Division two level, so he can scoot a little bit. But uh, we'll see. Um, we think he's a competitor, and we, we, we um, value his intelligence. Uh, so we think we can get get him in there and uh, let him go. Well, this week you're in the first round of the playoffs. You're looking at a familiar foe. I mean, you know, you've only faced this football team four times this season. You get the Sioux City <laughs> Bandits. You talked about this team quite possibly being the best team in the whole uh, in the whole league itself. That having been said, I mean, what what do you do? How do you prepare for a fifth? game with the same I mean this is probably the first time you ever had to run into playing a team in the same season five times yeah it really is I've again I've done it a little while and, and this is the first um you know I know that there's um some some theory out there amongst the, our fans that maybe the south is uh the better better conference I'll be real honest with you and tell you I'm not sure so not really sure that holds true um the north has got a very unique approach and um, Sioux City is the leader of that pack. They put a lot of pressure on you with the way that they run their offense. They, they grind on you and run the football. Uh, and let me just tell you, they are very, very well coached. Uh, I've been, in, yeah. again, doing this a long time, and I, and I think I know uh, good coaches from bad coaches, and, and they are good, good, uh, uh, well-coached team. They do what they do very, very well. Their guys understand what they're trying to do. So they put a lot of pressure on you. Uh, they make you play to their tempo, uh, and and so with that said, you know it's tough, Sonny. I mean, we played them four times. Now we beat them once, and we're proud of that win. And and we've hung in there another time or two. I mean, we could make a good case that we could have won another one. Um, you know, we we were without a quarterback. We asked Elby Pope to play quarterback in that ball game for us, which yeah, was a little crazy. But yeah. but um, none of those matter now, and that's the key that we told our players. And I know that I know Irv is going to tell his guys the same thing. Uh, I, they know we're not going to wave a white flag. So, you know, we're, we're not backing down now. We're coming in there to beat them. Um, is it going to be a challenge? Yeah, it's going to be a big challenge. They're a good, good football team. But um, we're going to go in there and fight and, and, and do what we can do to, to try to beat them. Well, let's find out your schedule. Are you leaving tomorrow to head out there? Or are you leaving game day early in the morning to get down there? What is it like this week? No, actually. Obviously, you got your practices and stuff. Yeah, no, we're actually we're we're down here right now, Sonny. We came down um, early this morning, um, and we're 
we took the guys, uh, got them into the hotel early and got them acclimated. And we're actually at a movie this afternoon. And, and, um, and so we will, uh, we'll get some meetings in tonight and, and go to dinner and then, uh, you know, get up in the morning and, and get ready. We'll go in there and see what we can do. That's the first way of getting it all set. And you take on a, a good football team in the uh, Sioux City Bandits. Coach, a, a long year putting it together. You, you're there, and that's a, a really the only thing you could ask for, especially after what you went through. Good luck to you on Saturday as you take on yet the Sioux City Bandits for a fifth time, and we'll be talking to you. Maybe we'll be looking at you next week. Maybe you'll get the victory. We'll be talking about that game next week on this show. Absolutely. Well, like I said, we're we're not backing up here, so we'll we'll go in there full full speed ahead, see what happens, and. Uh, I appreciate you getting us on, and, and I appreciate all you've done for the league all through, all through the year, Sonny. You did a great job. I, pre- I appreciate that. And, folks, and when we come back here on the Inside the CIF, you just heard from this coach. Let's talk to another coach. Let's head down into the south. Let's talk to the head coach of the Duke City Gladiators. It's going to be Coach Bamante on Inside the CIF. We'll be right back. Welcome back into the Couch Potato Sports Show. It is me, Sonny Clark, and you heard it from the coach's mouth. This is a team that's not going to give up, and, and that's one thing that you can get. And a team that has been decimated with injuries have an opportunity to take that step forward and move into the second round. And a lot of people are not picking the Bismarck Bucks to beat the Sioux City Bandits. So it should be very interesting to see what happens on Saturday, how they come out shooting against this Bandit football team as the Bandits, as Coach even said, quite possibly one of the, it's not the best, he's definitely one of the best teams in this league as they were trying to wrap up home field advantage throughout the playoffs. So that having been said, they tie with the best record in champions indoor football with a 9-3 and three record and uh, tied them up with the Amarillo Venom with the tops of the records. Now, that having been said, going into this, you, you look at these numbers in this game, it's really amazing as the Dukes or as the Bismarck Bucks take on the Sioux City Bandits. Let's take a look at some of those stats because they're actually really interesting. If you go to that game, the Bismarck Bucks are a football team that are sitting in the position as second and as far as points for game score, they're in second in the league at 45. Okay, that's only uh, one spot behind the Amarillo Venom. They have scored 63 points in the game. So you've seen the difference between those two teams, but the Bismarck Bucks getting out there and scoring a lot of points out there um, as far as that's concerned. Now, when you take a look at another football team, the team that they're playing, where, of course, we're talking about the Sioux City Bandits, the Sioux City Bandits, 58 points a game. So they got more points per game uh, to score. So that these teams are right there. Sioux City Bandits, 58. The Bismarck Bucks at 45. 
So if you go by that, that could give you an indication on what you may expect. But this is the playoffs. They're total different monsters in the regular season. But looking at those points, that's the important thing that you do. But let's take a look at some of the other stats. Let's talk about touchdowns for this game as the Sioux City Bandits. They got 93 touchdowns out on the season as the Bismarck Bucks only have 73. So we see where a lot of that works for this football team. They get into the end zone. So those touchdowns are big for them as they move on. They've scored 704 points this season compared to the Bismarck Bucks 540 points. So we see all of those numbers kind of putting them together. But let's talk about the passing that happens for that football team of 1,461 passing yards for the Sioux City Bandits, the Bismarck Bucks. How about this number? Passing yards, 2,273. So you look at those numbers as far as yards are concerned, the Bismarck Bucks can get the ball in the air. So, you know, all those yards per game, amazing for this football team and those stats. So looking at the touchdowns again, and when you look at the Bismarck Bucks, they have 45 touchdowns compared to the uh, Sioux City Bandits, who have 26 touchdowns, but that's via passing. So you see the strong point of the Bismarck Bucks, but then again, as Coach said, uh, no Jonathan Bain in this game as he is out for the season, but a lot of touchdowns through the air for the Bismarck Bucks through the regular season, 45. That's good for fourth in the league. And the Sioux City Bandits, 26. They are tied for 12, or mark that, they are 12 in passing so obviously what's happening out there they're rushing the football and with good question you look at it they lead the league in rushing touchdowns with 57 rushing touchdowns and when you go to the bismarck bucks they have 25 so the numbers are reversed we know we're going to see the ball in the air with the bismarck bucks but however they got a new quarterback that can also run the wildcat as well uh we saw that last week as the replacement for jonathan bain came in there and did a really good job a couple of guys they got two guys they can depend on whether they're going to run the football whether they're going to go ahead and pass the football two quarterbacks that are equally just as good but do th different things out on the football field. So an interesting thing when you look at it. I also like to look at stats and when I'm looking at football games and where they are. And when you get first downs for your football team, you usually win football games. The Sioux City Bandits, they are fourth in the league. They uh, average 18.3 first downs per game. So you look at that number, that is a huge number. Bismarck with 16.1, so the edge of two to three more first downs in the game. But where are they getting those first downs? Well, let's take a look at the penalties. The Sioux City Bandits have gotten 10 first downs through penalties. Uh, you know, so when you look at that number, that is an interesting number compared to the Bismarck Bucks, who have only had three first downs via penalty. So when you look at the game as a whole, it is, you know, 10 compared to three. 
that means that this is a football team that knows how to get defenses to jump off sides. And I'm talking about the Sioux City Bandits. So they get a lot of first downs via the penalty. So, but by, by passing them, you know, you look at those numbers, the Bismarck Bucks, 128 first down passing the football. And Sioux City only has 83 on the season. But all you got to do is just switch it around and see the rushing, uh, rushing first downs, 190. 19 rushing foot uh, first downs for the Sioux City Bandits compared to the 60 for the Bismarck Bucks. So you, you look at the stats, you know what you're going to get coming at you defensively. So you can watch those numbers and see where they go. So you got to look at the defensive side of the ball in this game, looking at the Bismarck Bucks as the, you, we talked about the points and we talked about everything that goes down on the defensive side of the ball. The Sioux City Bandits have four touchdowns on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, so they are able to make a big play and get into the end zone. The Bismarck Bucks, they only have two out on the season. Now, when you look at interceptions as well, you, know, you look at a football team that does a lot on the ground. You know, so their interceptions probably not going to be very high for the Sioux City Bandits. Au contraire, my friend, they got 12 interceptions out on the uh, season compared to the Bismarck Bucks 11. So they have been able to pick off the ball a little bit, although they are tied for 10th for that spot. The Sioux City Bandits, Bismarck is at number 12, so they're really close in interceptions, but I, I like also a number in sacks on the defensive side of the ball. When you look at the Sioux City Bandits, they got 20 sacks out on the season. And the Bismarck Bucks, when you look at their defense, they have 16 sacks out on the season. And then uh, more things on the defensive side, fumble recoveries. This is when you pick up the ball after it has been put on the ground. The Bismarck Bucks, they have eight fumble recoveries on the season, as the Sioux City Bandits also have eight as well. So uh, that's another thing when you look at stats, an exciting situation there. So defensively, I think we're going to see a good defensive football game. And it's all going to be about what's going to be productive in this game. Is it going to be the passing game that definitely favors the Bucks, or will it be the running game that we see very well executed out on the football field by the Sioux City Bandits? It's going to be a good one when you look at that game. So let's take a quick break here on the Couch Potato Sports Show. When we come back, let's visit the South and let's talk to the head coach of the Duke City Gladiators. It's going to be Dominic Belmonte. We'll talk about the Duke City Gladiators taking on the Amarillo Venom when we come back. Welcome back into the Couch Potato Sports Show. It is inside the CIF. I got online a guy that has been working hard for the last three years to get his team into the playoffs. First year, had an opportunity. Second year, had an opportunity. Third year, he makes it in with his Duke City Gladiators. I got online the head coach of that football team, Dominic Belmonte. How you doing, Dominic? I'm doing good, Sonny. The- Hardest working man in show business. 
That that's um, me. I try to keep try to keep it going. <laughs> so, hey, congrats! First of all, congratulations. I know there's been a lot of hard work um, at, over the last three years uh, with that organization down there with Duke City, starting up a couple of years ago to where it is now. It's got to feel real good to be finally in the mix when it comes. You're in the run for the championship. Well, thank you, Sonny. Um, you know our guys work hard. Um, you know, our goal is not to make the playoffs. Our goal is to win a championship. We've got a long way to go before that happens. But uh, you're right, it is a little bit gratifying to be in the tournament. But, uh, you know, uh, like I said, you know, everybody's going to end up the season uh, unhappy except one team. So we've ended the season unhappy the last two. You know, our goal is to not make it through. Definitely the first uh, playoff birthday in franchise history um, since you've been around. So that's always good. Uh, you're in the fourth season, so obviously you're in Amarillo. You Talk a little bit about preparation for a team that you've seen already three times this year going into fourth. the fourth this time against the Amarillo Venom. This is going the fifth time, I guess, Amarillo. Ah. We've played them four times during a regular season. Uh, this will be our third trip here playing in their building for you know this season. Uh, you know as you know you know as well as I do, Julian Reese is one of the best coaches in the league. His program is one of the best programs in the league. They're a hardworking team, and we've got a, we're going into the Lions now and uh, have to go up against one of his teams. Um, did the other games help us? No. We both start on zero and zero, so. Uh, but we're excited, Sonny. We're we're excited. We're determined. We're we're ready for battle tonight. Definitely, and you got a guy that really obviously could be all CIF at the quarterback position. And it started when you pulled the young man back into his area. Talk a little bit about your quarterback and your quarterback play this season uh, for uh, the Duke City Gladiators. Donovan Portery, we're blessed to have him as our leader of our program. This is his team. Uh, the thing that excites me the most about Donovan Sonny is that uh, he's getting better every game. You know, he still has an upside. Uh, no matter, you know, the number of years that he's played, he has an upside, and he's uh, he's a true leader, and we are really, really blessed to uh, have him uh, lead our program. Well, all you got to do is take a look at the number one that he has, number one in total yards, Number one with 60 touchdown passes. Number one with 249 completions, and number one with 237.6 yards per game, and that and that solidifies. You know, we always talk about how much a quarterback means to your football team, and you got it there. But on the other side, you got a quarterback as well on the defensive side with your linebacker, linebacker Jason Serta, and this guy right here. It, it seems, and I've been watching your games all year long, it, he's involved in every single play, it seems like, on the uh, defensive side of the ball. If Jason Serta isn't the defensive MVP of the CIF, there ought to be an investigation because he is really one of the impact players of the league, you know, and he's one of the first guys that every defense has to know on every play. Where is Jason Serta? You know what yep. I'm saying? And, and so that is that says something, that a, a defensive end player is going to play in the belt that is an impact player. And uh, he, he has an impact. Can you imagine that, Sonny? He has an impact on games from the match position. 
If this guy's not the defensive MVP, then there ought to be an investigation. And, uh, you know, we're going to call Congress, and Sonny Clark is going to lead the, uh, you know, lead the investigation. <laughs> you got it. Number one in total tackles with 107. Number one with two kickoff returns for touchdown. Number one with four fumble recoveries. And number one with two fumble returns for the touchdown. So you get an all-around guy. And when you got guys that can be in the strong leadership position, you know, you got a guy on each side of the ball that guys can depend on to get that motivation. And the thing about it, Sonny, number one with 10 games under his belt. Where would he be statistic-wise with two more games under his belt? You know, I've been doing this a long time. And very rarely on the defensive side do you get an impact player, an impact player where the offense has got to say every week, where is this guy on this play? Here's what we're going to do with him on this play. Here's how we're going to block him on this play. He is a pure impact player. And uh, the, the, the Duke City Gladiators were blessed to have him. And uh, I'm sure the, from a league standpoint, they're blessed to have talent like a Jason Serta. He really is. He's a, he's a scary dude, man, because he doesn't say boo. In practice, he doesn't say boo. In our meetings, he doesn't say boo. In film, he doesn't say boo. When I tell you he doesn't say boo, the game comes, I don't know, five minutes before the game, this switch comes on. And mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's something to see. Definitely. Let's talk a little bit about your organization there. Obviously, you've been the coach uh, since the inception for that football team. you got a good ownership uh, down there. you got Matt Kayward over there, John Lopez running the show. How is it? I mean, and I've seen it firsthand as I've been to many of your games, uh, whether it be up in Duke City or over here in Texas. The, the relationship that you guys have with ownership and coach it's like you guys have been together for the last 30 years, and you guys are like best friends. We uh, we literally, and, and we say this word, a lot of people say this A lot of people say this word frivolously. Our organization is family, and that's just that, that it, it starts and ends there, family. Matt Hayward is a member of my family. Don Lopez is a member of my family. I'm a member of their family, and so... Uh, we we work well together. We all have a uh, a, uh, a common goal, which is to bring something good to the community of Albuquerque. Because we all have a passion for the community of Albuquerque, and so our first and foremost is family entertainment for our community. And when you have everybody on a common goal, uh, you know that's when magic can happen. Let's talk a little bit personally as well. You also got some connections to the uh, big team, I guess you can say, over there with the Baltimore Ravens, uh, Ravens and the head coach over there. Talk a little bit about your relationship with John Harbaugh, with that football team, and where you are today with him as far as your connection. You know, uh, myself and uh, Coach Harbaugh, uh, our relationship goes back 20 years. Uh, I'm blessed to call him my brother. I'm blessed to call him my friend. Uh, I've been blessed that he has taken me along for the ride for every successful venture that he's had in uh, not only Philadelphia, but mainly Baltimore. Um, I've been 
you know, I've been to the Super Bowl with him. I've been to the Pro Bowl with him. I've been to, you know, he, he just blessed me to, to uh, you know, share the journey with him. And, uh, you know, um, he is, I tell you, one of the most amazing men. And I'm not saying that because we're brothers. He's one of the most amazing men I've ever met. The most humble man. The one thing I can tell you, Sonny, is that if he was in this phone conversation right now, uh, he, you would think that he knew Sonny Clark for 20 years because he's a regular guy, very approachable by, you know, and so I'm very, very, very proud uh, of my uh, friendship and my brotherhood with uh, John Harbaugh. Talk a little bit about your fan bus that's headed up there. I, I over to to catch this game. Twenty bucks, you get the ride to Amarillo, you get the ticket and the ride back home. Man, you can't beat that with the stick. I can't even if I bought a ticket, I probably couldn't even get into a game for twenty bucks. You know, your fan base, you know, has got it said. Oh, what are you guys expecting? You got the full bus headed up that way? Well, we have two full buses coming up. Uh... Awesome. Uh, you know, over a hundred, yeah, over a hundred fans, and that's what's going on with the Duke City Gladiators in Albuquerque. You know, um, they're embracing us. You know, and, and that's what'll happen after three years. You know, we're we're you know we're in good shape for our fourth season coming up, and so uh, the the community is genuinely excited about being a part of the tournament, as we are, and and they'll show by their uh, attendance in tonight's uh, ball game. So uh, we're, we're excited, and we want to give a good performance for our fan base. Well, one more question I'll let you go, okay? You got the Amarillo Venom. We all know about them, the home field advantage throughout the playoffs. There's a football team that knows what they're doing. As a head coach, what are you looking for for your guys to be in the right position to take advantage of opportunities? What are you looking at mainly in tonight's football game? The main thing I'm looking at is those five guys in a strike do not have an outcome on the game. I'm looking for them to have a you know a consistent game, and if the five guys in stripes can have a consistent game, whether it's consistently good or consistently bad, and they leave it to the players, it'll be an exciting venue for the fans. So uh, I hope that uh, the magnitude of the games that the officials understand that, and the officials don't have anything to do with the outcome of the game. Big part the of the game in reality. Sides, the, the players yeah. on both sides are ready, Sonny. So that's, yeah. that's what my, my, my thing is. Let's let these guys and, in stripes be pros. I want these guys tonight to be pros, these guys in stripes. And, and that also comes with the uh, non-resistance of just throwing a flag arbitrarily or more so. Think about whether or not you're going to throw it and what kind of impact it has on it. I agree with you. It's a, a big part of tonight's football game as you try to make your way uh, into the second round, whether you're going to take on the Texas Revolution or the Dodge City Law next week. Good luck to you tonight, and thanks for joining us uh, here a little bit in Inside the Seattle. You know, I don't, I don't... I don't appreciate that um, we had to make the playoffs for me to, 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 you know, for you to have me on the Sonny Clark show. Sonny Clark, the <laughs> hardest working man in show business. Uh, you had to make man, the playoffs I... for me to get on your show. <laughs> You're a busy man, and so am I. So, you know, I, I'm just not. But you know what? 
this is the best time to have you on because of the fact that it's the playoffs, because you're making a, making a run for the championship. This is the best time to hear from you. Coach, as always, um, you know, hopefully, well, either way, I'm going to be at the game next week, you know, so hopefully you'll be in that oh. game next week. Um, Definitely. And, we'll and, if it wasn't, and if it wasn't funny, the hardest working man in show business. I wouldn't have done an interview today, but for you, because I love you, brother, we got this interview done. That's right. And folks that don't know, he doesn't do interviews on game day. It's game day, and I appreciate him. But he did for. But to to set the record straight, he did stiff me last night when I was actually ready. So we got we got you out there. Good luck to you tonight, tonight, coach. And uh, and Thank hopefully you. you make it further than what you uh, make it into the championship. Your mouth to God's ears, Tony. You got it. And, folks, when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about some of the stats that we're going to see in this game as well as the other three other games that are going to be going on in the playoffs in Champions Indoor Football tonight. We'll be right back here on Inside the CIF. And welcome back into the Couch Potato Sports Show. It is me, Sonny Clark, the hardest working man in sports radio as we are here on Inside the CIF. You just heard from Dominic Belmonte talking about some guys that are on that football team that really you've got to be aware of. And of course, Jason Serta is one of those guys that you got to be aware of definitely defensively. And then you got the guy that has been throwing the ball all over the place in Dominic Cartier. So it, there's a lot of things to look at in this football game and how it might play out. You've got two of the top quarterbacks in the South taking on each other. Arguably the number one, number two in the South. It could be even considered number one, number two in the whole league. Um, so you, you're going to get a good show, you know, passing the football. And let's talk a little bit about that. The Amarillo Venom are in a situation where they know how to throw the football. But so do the Duke City Gladiators. In fact, the Duke City Gladiators have more yards through the air than the Amarillo Venom. 2,784 yards passing for the Duke City Gladiators. Over 200 yards difference in reality for the Duke City Gladiators passing the ball over the Amarillo Venom. So, and looking at the numbers, you know, that Portier and Nate Davis, you know, guys that really have taken on. Nate Davis did sit down the game, but when you look at it, the Duke City Gladiators, 249 of 411 with 11 interceptions. The Amarillo Venom, 252 of 416 for 14 interceptions. So yards per game, 232 for the Gladiators and 214 for the Amarillo Venom. So, I, you know, we're going to see a lot of that kind of thing. You've got two teams that know how to air the ball out. So when you're looking at the offensive side of the ball, what's going to make the difference? What are, you know, who's going to win the difference in that when you take a look at it? Rushing the football. Rushing the football, the Amarillo Venom have 41 touchdowns out on the season as the Duke City Gladiators, as they get squared, they move, and they get into the end zone as well. Not as much as the Amarillo Venom, but they do get in there. They've got in there 20 times. So 
the Amarillo Venom have doubled them up on touchdowns rushing the football. So it, it's no surprise that the Amarillo Venom have 901 yard compared to the Duke City Gladiators 345. Uh, so we we see who has the strength of running the football. Uh, in this football game as far as whether it be the touchdowns or getting the yards. But you also got to take a look at the difference when a football team runs the ball, they run it a lot. 226 times for the Amarillo Venom compared to the Duke City Gladiators, only 148 yards. That's the passing difference when you look at Donovan Portier and Nate Davis. So on the defensive side of the ball, when you take a look at these two football teams and where they stand, we, we like to see touchdowns defensively, don't we? As fans, we love to see those numbers. So the Duke City Gladiators, they lead the league defensive touchdowns with seven, and the Amarillo Venom have two. So there's five touchdown defense, uh, defensive touchdowns out on the football field. Also, when you take a look at the sacks, the Duke City Gladiators with 21 sacks compared to the 18 for the Amarillo Venom. Fumble recoveries, 15 fumble recoveries for the Duke City Gladiators compared to the seven for the Amarillo Venom. The interceptions, they're quite even. Duke City has 16, Amarillo with 15. So looking at those defensive numbers, those are huge. Now, points allowed in the game? 42 points given up per game for the Duke City Gladiators, 53 for the Amarillo Venom. So, you know, you see the differences. You, obviously, you see the running game in favor of the uh, Amarillo Venom. You see the defensive side and the stats. The stats say the defense is right there for the Duke City Gladiators compared to the Amarillo Venom. And then you got the close comparison at the quarterback position in passing the football as the Duke City Gladiators, again, 2,784 yards compared to 2,574. This game has close written all over it. And the question is, is who's going to do what they don't do so well better? I mean, because we might have a letdown on the offensive side of the ball from both sides of the – so somebody's going to have to step up in some of the other numbers that maybe don't get to where you would think, wow, they're, they're outstanding in that, in that statistic or, or what they do there. But, you know, red zone, it's all about red zone as well. So the red zone numbers, they're a little bit different in the red zone. The touchdowns for the Duke City Gladiators – they have been to the red zone 349 times. They've scored a touchdown 48 times in that set. When you look at the Amarillo Venom, they have been to the red zone 428 times, and they have scored a touchdown 76 times out of that. So 18% of the time they're in the end zone. The Duke City Gladiators are 14% in the red zone. So, and those numbers, they change a little bit. 16% of the time, the Duke City Gladiators are in the red zone. The Amarillo Venom are in the red zone 20% of the time. So, uh, big-time stuff there. More numbers to look at, Duke City, as far as scores are concerned. 55 of 349 compared to the Amarillo Venom. 85 of 428. So, 
you know, is this one here? It's a, it is a toss-up, and they always say defense wins championships. Will that be the Duke City Gladiators situation defensively and offensively, a good football team? And they're just playing head-to-head with the Amarillo Venom right there on both. This is going to be a good one that's happening right there in Amarillo. So keep your eyes and ears open for that big one going on as well. All right, we've covered two of the games that are happening on Saturday. Let's look at the other games that are on the slate for this weekend. Saturday night, fight in Champions Indoor Football. Let's go back to the north as we got a good one brewing up in the north, and I'm talking about the Bloomington Edge heading on over to the Omaha Beef to play in the slaughterhouse. And, I, you know, when I'm looking at numbers, it, it, you know, I love stats. And you can tell a lot about a football team in their stats, where their weaknesses are compared to their uh, strengths. Well, let's talk about the Bloomington Edge. 49.7 points a game For the Bloomington Edge and the Omaha Beef, they score 46.8 points a game. So, you know, they're right there in the final numbers. And when you look at touchdowns out on the season, the Omaha Beef have 75. The Bloomington Edge, they have 82. Uh, And so looking at those those first two stats gives you an idea offensively, these guys are close. So where is it happening? What is the difference? Well, let's talk about the passing game of the Bloomington Edge. They got 1,954 yards passing compared to the Omaha Beef, only 1,804 yards uh, out on the season. Bloomington, 173 of 285 for 11 interceptions. The Omaha Beef, 152 with 255, only six interceptions out on the season. In fact, that leads the league in interceptions as Ionati with only six throughout the season. So really good numbers when you look at that uh, as far as the passing uh, is concerned. The Bloomington Edge averaged 162 yards in the air as the Omaha Beef averaged 150 and the yards per pass, 6.9 for the Bloomington Edge and the Omaha Beef, 7.1. So looking at those numbers and how they work out, let's take a look at the rushing side of it. This could be the tail of the tape right here as one team really has an advantage rushing the football. 808 yards on the ground for the Bloomington Edge, the Omaha Beef. 1,271 yards on the ground for the Omaha Beef. They have scored 43 touchdowns rushing the football. But even though that number is different, 1,271 compared to the 808 for Bloomington, Bloomington has 37 touchdowns. So not very far off the beaten path there for Omaha with 43 and Bloomington at 37 on the rushing touchdowns, even though they're they're getting more yards, they're right there squaring off with the touchdowns out on the football field. So really interesting stuff there on the offensive side of the ball. Looking defensively, the Bloomington edge, and they are giving up 46.8 points a game compared to the Omaha Beefs 46.8 as well. 
So they're tied right there. So defensively, you've got to take a look at some numbers. Two touchdowns defensively for the Bloomington Edge. The Omaha Beast also have two. Sacks out on the season. Bloomington Edge, 28. The Omaha Beast have 21. There's a big difference. A little bit. Seven sacks out on the season. Fumble recoveries. Bloomington Edge, they have... Eight fumble recoveries. The Omaha Beast have 12. So they're getting out there that free ball that hits out on the football field. Interceptions. Bloomington Edge have 13. The Omaha Beast with 14. They're neck and neck right there. So um, you've got to look at this. Another two teams just even throughout the kilter in this one that's happening. When we talk about individual stats, we do that all day long. But really – we know who plays in these games. If you watch these games, you know it's going to be Iannotti. You know it's going to be Holbrook passing the football. You know it's going to be done rushing the football for, for, the, um, for the Bloomington Edge. And on the other side, you've got bats, all of them. Just exciting running of the football for both of these football teams. So you've got to be happy with what you see as far as that is concerned now. When you also look at some more stats as far as the breaking it down and having it, I, I like to look at first downs as a uh, way of seeing what your football team is all about. And there's no difference when you talk about the Omaha Beef. The Omaha Beef first downs, 204 first downs for the Omaha Beef as they like to get that first down um, looking at the other side for the Bloomington edge where they are as far as first downs, they have 204 touchdown uh, first downs. So you're looking at those numbers and you're going, where's the difference? Where's the difference? Well, there's still not much, very much of a difference right there, especially as they both have 204 first downs. Well, how are they getting the first downs? Are they rushing it or passing it? Well, when you take a look at the Omaha beef on the first downs, they're eighth in the league by getting it via the uh, rush. So the first downs, they're, uh, mark that, they're eighth in the league for first downs, second by rushing in the league, uh, and then 11th by passing it. On the other side of that, when you take a look at the Bloomington Edge and where they are as far as first downs, uh, eighth in the um, eighth in the league as well, third rushing and ninth passing. I mean, th- these two teams are so close. They are battling it out big time as they go into this game. This one, I think, could be the most competitive game of all four of the playoff games as they are so evenly matched on both sides of the football. There is a little bit of a difference in, you know, a stat here, a stat there. But when I look at these two football teams, I look at one team not really having a stranglehold over either one of them. So this one here could be the game of the week as far as the competitiveness and the closeness of this game is where I kind of look at some of these. So, And the last game that's on the slate is the Texas Revolution taking on the Dodge City Law. Dodge City going down south to play this one. So it'll be the second game at the Allen Event Center for these two teams as they split the regular season 
one and one. Let's talk a little bit about that as far as the football teams are concerned. Let's take a look at points out on the football field. The Revolution, they're averaging 60 points a game compared to the Duke City Gladiators, 55 points a game. As the Revolution have 103 touchdowns on the season, while Dodge City has 88. So those, you look at the numbers, they get more touchdowns in Texas. But also, remember, this is a football team that, you know, if you look at how they won the games, they're 10-2. They're so you, you kind of look at those numbers, or mark that, nine, they're 9-3 they're and three out on the season. So you see those numbers, where they stand, they, they win football games. So, but with the fact that they got two of them taken away, that's where they ended up as far as the standings are concerned. But head-to-head, these two teams got it going on. So let's talk a little bit about that 2,199 yards passing for the Texas Revolution. And the Dodge City Law has 2,716 yards. So you're looking at that number. You're looking at over 500 more yards in the air or total yards for the Dodge City Law over the Texas Revolution. So uh, pass, and that that's via passing, by the way. So 55 touchdowns for the Texas Revolution, the Dodge City Law with only 42. But we'll talk about that in a moment where the difference is. But let's look at the, uh, the total amount there, 190 of 297, 13 interceptions for the Texas Revolution, the Dodge City Law, 228 of uh, 366 for 16 interceptions. So what, what's going to happen? They're going to have to rush the football, you would think. 1,108 yards rushing the football for the Texas Revolution as the Dodge City Law only has 687. So there's a commitment to getting the yards because both teams do rush the football a lot. The Texas Revolution, 235 rushes. The Dodge City Law, right? I mean, they're ahead of them in the attempts, at 262 attempts. So average per game, 92 yards rushing for the Revolution, only 57. And that 57 equals out to 2.6 yards a rush compared to the Revolution's 4.7. 38 rushing touchdowns for the Texas Revolution and the Dodge City Law with 36. So those are... Some numbers when you look at the offensive side of the ball that you know you know are comparable. Texas Revolution first downs. We I like talking about first downs. So how do they get them? The Texas Revolution first down, 123 touchdown via the uh, pass by the rush, 86 and five via penalty. The Dodge City Law, they get the first down uh, through the air, 147 times only 74 via the rush, and they got four via the penalty. So the first down is a big indicator yet again on the football field. Looking at defensive stats, this is where I think that this could be the turning of the table defensively for the Dodge City Law. They have five touchdowns out on the season, the Texas Revolution. They have four. Fumble recoveries for the Texas Revolution, 13. Dodge City, 12. Interception, 17 interceptions for the Dodge City Law. The Revolution have 14. Sacks, 20 sacks for the Texas Revolution. 
24 for the Dodge City Law. The defensive side of the ball is being won by the Duke City Gladiator or the Dodge City Law. So the Texas Revolution have to tighten the belt up. But when you look at the numbers, the Revolution giving up 48.7 points a game. The Dodge City Law giving up only 47.9. So about a point differential uh, as far as that is concerned. Now win your football games in this league because when you look at this league, we've had a lot of close football games out on the football field. Passing the football, uh, the Texas Revolution they averaged 202 yards in the air compared to the Dodge City Laws uh, passing 174 uh, yards per game. So, you know, another close football game as far as the numbers are concerned. So uh, the question is, who do you have this weekend on this Saturday night fight that is happening big time here in Champions Indoor Football on the weekend? So good stuff happening a lot of exciting stuff happening here in champions indoor football so that's going to do it for me folks enjoy the week number one playoff games that are happening on saturday gonna be exciting let's go over them again before we're out of here the dodge city law on the road taking on the texas revolution the bloomington edge on the road taking on the omaha beef the bismarck bucks in sioux city to take on the bandits and the Duke City Gladiators on the road taking on the Amarillo Venom. Another exciting year in Champions Indoor Football. What will the playoffs bring? Who's going to be the final two in the North and South and playing for the championship game next week? We'll talk about that next week on Inside the CIF with Tony Clark. Everybody have a good evening. Bye-bye. Started it, running the game. James West, taming the West. So remember the name. Now who you gonna call?